This podcast was produced from an Elevate live webinar. Welcome to the Elevate podcast, brought to you by the Registered Master Builders. Each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us get the best from our businesses, our teams, and ourselves. I'm your host, Ryan Castle. We talk to experts, advocates, and business owners in the construction industry to share their knowledge, insights, and experiences to help you build a better business and enjoy a better life. Now let the business building begin. Thank you to those of you who have joined. Really appreciate you making some time to join us on the webinar this evening. Uh, My name is Ryan Castle. I help run the Elevate Learning Platform at the Master Builders and very excited to be joined by Sam Archer. Sam, would you be kind enough to just give us a bit of a intro, your background, how have you ended up in this uh, role and how are you so well uh, qualified to take through the webinar tonight? Yeah, kia ora Ryan and uh, everyone else. Uh, thanks so much to everyone for uh, joining us uh, this evening and uh, giving up your um, some of your evening to uh, hear me speak. Uh, yeah, great. So I've had uh, 20 years in the construction industry um, and um, as you can probably hear from my accent, I'm English um, and uh, I came over here six years ago. Uh, I've got a Kiwi wife and, uh, and two very Kiwi children. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, I, I, so, so I've, I've been a, a building services engineer um, by training really at the beginning of my career. I spent um, six or seven years designing you know, the heating and ventilation systems, but then increasingly got interested in sustainability. And, and I've spent the last uh, 10 to 15 years really working on climate change, energy efficiency, um, sustainability in, in, the, in the built environment. Uh, so that, that's my background. Fantastic, Sam. Alrighty, guys, uh, I'm going to hand over to Sam to take us through the uh, presentation. Thank you very much. Cheers, Ryan. All right. Uh, yeah, before we get going, I'm just going to give you a very quick, um, I promise it'll be a quick overview of the New Zealand Green Building Council. So um, we are a membership organisation. So um, we, we, we like to think we're the kind of sustainability voice of the construction industry. Um, so we've gone from 31 members to well over 500 members um, in 2020. Um, you know, we pretty much got uh, membership from throughout the, the construction industry, from the property owners right through to universities, the, the agents, uh, lots of builders. Um, and although that slide does have a lot of kind of like the big kind of corporates uh, up there, we do have a lot of, um, uh, you know, kind of long tail of mum and pup, mum and pup kind of small uh, companies as well uh, that are members of us. Uh, so, so yeah, f- fundamentally we work with our members and we're, we're, we're the voice of, um, of construction when it comes to sustainability. All right, um, we've got um, six corporate sponsors uh, every year. So out of our membership, we, we get a sort of closer relationship with six of those and they help, help us to drive even more change. Uh, so these are our current uh, corporate sponsors. Great. So um, just a bit of an over- overview of what we do. Um, so before I, I sort of launch into the rating tools, um, I'd just like to talk about the three main things that we, we do as an organization. So uh, we do lots of advocacy. So um, as I'm going to go and as I'm going to talk about a bit later on, uh, the um, MB has just announced that they're going to be uh, doing a major review of the building code. They're looking at setting uh, long-term trajectories through the 2035 um, in really improving the energy performance. And, uh, and uh, we'd like to think that, that, that a, a large part of the reason that they're doing that is because of the massive amount of lobbying and, um, and sort of um, egg throwing that we've been doing at MB, trying to get them to uh, improve the quality and standards of our homes. Um, Sam, like, maybe uh, let me um, dive in a, a question that probably fits reasonably well around here. Yeah, um, sure. Jared, thanks for your question. Said, are there other sustainable home schemes uh, in New Zealand, or does um, is this the New Zealand Green Building Council? Do you kind of have the market captured? Give us a give us an insight of the land. That's a really great question. So, um, in terms of holistic sustainability, so you know, covering all of the bases, so energy, water, waste, um, uh, we're pretty much the only game in town. 
Um, if you want to just concentrate on energy and I guess um, health, um, you know, good ventilation systems and so on, then uh, there is the passive house, the German passive house standard. Um, and, um, you know, we work very closely with, with passive house, passive house is incorporated in, in Homestar. So you can do passive house to do the kind of energy and um, uh, health and, and comfort kind of elements. And then all of the other stuff like sustainable materials and stormwater runoff and all the other bits and pieces that Homestar uh, does. So, so they're complementary. Um, there's another holistic sustainability rating called the Living Building Challenge, which is an international one, an American one, um, but that's really crazily out there. I mean, that's kind of really, really, really deep green uh, tool. Uh, right. and it's, I mean, it's so deep green that only 23 um, projects have ever certified in the whole world. Uh, we've had wow. one. We've, we've had one project in New Zealand, uh, which was a. Um, uh, I always forget the name of it, but it's in the Bay of Plenty anyway, and it, and it, and it wasn't a home, it was a, um, uh, a marae, yep. It wasn't, it wasn't a school that recently got $11 million in grants, it wasn't? No, 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 that was no, a green school, no, no, okay. no, no, don't know what okay. they're doing, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, we do training. So, um, you know, obviously I'm sort of giving some training at the moment, but um, uh, most of our training is in the tools that we run. So um, as I'll go on to talk about, we run a training program for, for getting people um, are trained up as, as assessors. So people who can actually do the, the Green Star and Home Star assessment. Um, so we also benchmark, and, and then finally, uh, uh, this tool is about Homestar, but, um, but um, really our bread and butter is, is running racing tools because we really strongly think that uh, if you want to avoid greenwash, then um, you need to be um, uh, designing to or, or certifying under a known national standard. Um, and, and I'll go on to talk about uh, that a little bit later. Um, so we run effectively three different um, racing tool schemes. We run Green Star and they're for commercial buildings. So I won't, won't really say much more about that today. Uh, but for homes, for new homes, we run a scheme called Homestar. Uh, and then um, for existing homes, we run a scheme called HomeFit, which is a, an inspection-based scheme where you can go into an existing home um, and look at its levels of insulation, uh, look, of it, look at its ventilation uh, systems and so on, and, and give, the, give the home a HomeFit stamp. Okay, um, so um, just a little bit of uh, background, really, uh, which is trying to uh, talk about some of, the, some of the problems we've got with New Zealand homes and, and the reason why we really think we need um, uh, much better standards and why we need HomeStar. Um, so Brands does a uh, house condition survey every five years. Um, they have been running it since 1994. Um, so I think this is the fifth one from memory um, that they did a few years ago. And really uh, what's a bit depressing about these kind of five yearly uh, surveys is that they keep on revealing the same thing, which is um, uh, something that I think everyone knows, which is that New Zealand has a very poor record when it comes to um, very damp, moldy, cold houses. Um, so uh, there's a real law of halves here. So around half, uh, half of the 560 homes they analysed in the last one um, had very poor substandard insulation. Um, around half of those homes um, didn't have kitchen, mechanical kitchen or bathroom extract systems. Um, and, and a great deal of them really didn't have um, adequate heating systems either. Uh, and, um, and what's been really good about this last condition survey is they've managed to link uh, really the, the condition of the house to some of the things that the house is lacking. So, you know, the houses that don't have enough insulation or poor ventilation systems or poor heating systems are generally the ones with lots and lots of mold. Um, so we know from the international research what we need to be doing with houses. Um, it's just that we're really not doing it, which is a real shame. Um, and you kind of go, well, there's a bit of a Kiwi thing around just throwing another jumper on. Um, and, you know, maybe some of us from an energy perspective thinks that's a good idea. But, um, but really, from a health 
point of view, it's a really, really bad thing. Um, so New Zealand has uh, some of the highest rates of asthma in the OECD. Um, uh, you know, so asthma, well, not just asthma, respiratory disease generally. Um, and you know that that results in some really poor outcomes in terms of attendance at school. Um, we also have uh, high winter excess uh, deaths, so about around 1,600 excess people. You know, in, uh, more people die in the winter than they do uh, in the summer, largely because of uh, being in cold homes. Um, and there's a really interesting paradox there, which is that um, more temperate countries, more sort of warmer countries like New Zealand, tend to have higher excess winter deaths. So Portugal um, is another country, as an example, that has high uh, winter deaths, and that's because we kind of design for the nine months of the year when it's when it's nice and warm. But um, but you know, even in Auckland where I live, it still gets very cold in the winter, um, and um, you know, it's those few months when when we, when we get those excess winter deaths. Okay. Um, and I suppose, as I'm going to go and talk about, uh, Homestar is really about new homes. Um, and some people might say, well, you know, new homes, uh, because of the building code, have to be insulated. Um, but uh, as, as I'll go on to talk about, they're, they're really not insulated enough. They don't have enough ventilation systems. They don't have enough heating systems. They don't have enough of all of the kind of elements that make for a warm home. Um, and this is some research that was done uh, on homes built uh, post 2000, so homes that you know that are insulated. Uh, and what those bars are showing is the percentage of the time uh, in living rooms. That's the grey bar uh, when the air temperature was less than 19 degrees over the over the um, winter months, uh, and the yellow bars are the the bedrooms. So you can you can clearly see bedrooms are the biggest problem. Bedrooms pretty much all of the time in the, in those 20 houses were were uh, under 19 degrees. Um, and the World Health Organization says that uh, at the very, very least, homes need to be 18 degrees um, uh, all year, uh, including at night. Uh, and for, um, for, the, for the vulnerable, so the elderly, the sick the, the, and, and children, they really should be achieving 20 degrees. Um, and all of the brand's research that we're, that, that, that's been done over the many years has shown that New Zealand homes are getting net, absolutely nowhere near that. Uh, you know, they're just too damn cold uh, for, our, for, for our health. Okay, um, and um, I, I'm sure I'm teaching you um, what you know already, but, um, but really the, the, the reason that we've got to, uh, to this situation is that we've got a really inadequate um, building code when it comes to some of these elements. So the levels of insulation that are required in H1 of the building code are a lot, lot lower than they are in, um, in comparable countries. Uh, brands, uh, if you dig out the article, actually, brands, brands did a really good comparison of our building code with the, with the UK one. Um, so, you know, arguably um, parts of New Zealand are, are, are quite a bit warmer than, than, than the UK generally, but actually if you start getting to the South Island, if you, if you look at um, Christchurch as an example, um, isn't that much colder than, isn't that much warmer, sorry, than, than London, uh, but the insulation levels required are substantially uh, more in the UK um, than, they are, than they are here. And actually I've got some numbers to show that later on. Um, and then other countries, um, you know, once, once you've then uh, dealt with the uh, just sort of general R values, then, um, then we need to be do, dealing with thermal bridges. So that's kind of a missing insulation from corners, missing insulation from eaves, poor detailing around uh, the inst installation of windows and, um, you know, um, concrete lintels, metal uh, lintel, all, all the kind of areas where um, the thermal insulation is, is broken. And, um, you know, that's, that's where we see mold uh, in, in new homes. Um, and we still see lots of poor detailing when it comes to that. Um, little provision for good ventilation. So um, uh, it, it's now become a requirement in the last uh, couple of years for New Zealand homes to be fitted with um, mechanical kitchen and bathroom extract. That only came in, um, I think, in 2018, maybe 2019, but you know, it, it's, it's pretty recent. 
Um, but what some of the other countries around the world, um, so America, the UK, um, a few other countries, uh, what they've moved to is the realization that as we're building much more airtight homes, so as we're using all those wraps and um, uh, air barriers within our homes, then, then actually uh, the brand's research shows uh, that it's happening here, that our homes are becoming pretty airtight. Uh, and when they get very airtight, you then have a problem with um, ventilating the whole home. So, so not just kitchens and bathrooms, but also bedrooms, um, habitable, you know, gen the general habitable rooms. Uh, and, and really the way the building codes have started to move in other countries, and I think New Zealand building code will move over time, is to require whole house uh, ventilation systems. So ventilating, mechanically ventilating the whole house, not just the kitchens and bathrooms. Um, there's no requirement for efficient heating in the building code. There's no requirement to put in, in any heating at all. Um, so that's not, that's not controlled. Uh, and again, what the international research shows is that um, particularly in um, uh, you know, lower socioeconomic house, um, households, so households with less money around concern about the heating bills, um, you know, if they're relying on electric resistance panel heaters or um, uh, even worse, portable gas heaters, um, then the cost of heating are, are just often uh, prohib prohibitive for them and they don't, they don't use heating properly, they don't turn on the heating and they, and they get poor outcomes. Um, now another sort of interesting uh, sort of emerging problem uh, and, and I, I suppose we should probably put our hand on our heart and say this, this is really a problem of, of more insulated homes. So uh, as we're building more apartments, as we're building more um, uh, better insulated homes, we are starting to see and the evidence is emerging in New Zealand of uh, homes starting to overheat, uh, particularly in our warmer climate, so Auckland and above. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I, I think we'll probably admit actually that the Homestar scheme, although it does deal with overheating a little bit, doesn't do it as well as we'd like. And so that's something we're dealing with uh, with the latest um, uh, version of the tool. Um, but, you know, overheating can be a real problem uh, for people sleeping at night. And so that's something that we need to deal with. Um, and then finally, Sam, can I jump in there? I, oh, I, yeah, sure. um, kind of a, a question. Another question is coming from Jared. Thank you. And um, I'm, I'm interested in the commercial aspects of what's going on around green and sustainability and efficient, efficient housing. Will you be actually talking about what's going on kind of commercially in the market from those as in um, how many people are demanding and how many are being prepared to pay more for their build? Because sure. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll get on to that. Yeah, I will go. I've, okay, got, I've awesome. got a few slides about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Thanks. Okay, um, and then just that last one, uh, the last bullet point there. So there's nothing on water efficiency or lighting efficiency. And, and actually, um, I mean, it's quite interesting because, um, and I'll go on to talk about this a bit later, MB have just put out a consultation on the future of the building code. And, and it's really great to see that they are now actually starting to talk about uh, pretty much all of those things. So hopefully those, some of those things will start to change. All right, um, actually I'll slip that, skip that slide really, but that one's just really um, uh, emphasizing that it's not just the building council saying that, that's also the International Energy, uh, Energy Agency has criticized our building code and so has the OECD, um, uh, yeah. All right, um, and um, so it's not just health and well-being and making, making people warmer, but it's also climate change. Um, and um, so again, other parts of the world, the EU, for example, since 2002, they've, um, they've been on a trajectory towards uh, nearly zero energy homes. Um, so they set themselves a target in 2002 of making all of the homes uh, in the EU, new homes um, uh, nearly zero energy by 2020, which of course, and, and we've now arrived at that date. Um, and, and of course, not every EU country has got to a, um, what they call a nearly zero energy home, but um, many of them have got very close to that. Uh, and the result has been over 18 years, 
they've tightened up the building codes to the point where the homes, um, uh, you know, and I, and I know the UK very well, new homes built there are extremely energy efficient. Um, and Sam, maybe could you could you dig into what like nearly zero means? Is that the the design of the house is just so efficient that it actually doesn't require uh, mechanical heating or ventilation that we're we're talking about, or is it that it, there's a balance of things going on? Yeah, so it's a, it's a really good question. So um, uh, it's 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 pretty much impossible to design a home that doesn't use any energy at, at all. You know, uh, homes are always going to use some lighting, some uh, and. So, um, I mean, some people use these kind of definitions around net zero energy, which, which is around adding extra PV on and things like that on the roof to make up for any energy that you, you, that you do use. But the, the EU wants to concentrate on making homes that inherently themselves use very little energy. Uh, so they had, they had this kind of, it's a bit of a technical sort of um, description of how you describe a nearly zero energy home. And it's really one that has um, minimum, minimum energy use uh, cost effectively, I suppose, is, is, is the way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, um, and then we move on to rating schemes like Homestar. So, um, as I said earlier on, the thing that we advocate for is having a national standards, national nationally agreed standards around what a green home means, uh, and that's really what the Homestar system is is trying to achieve. So that kind of kind of is a nice segue to the Homestar scheme. So, so Homestar was um, put together in 2011, uh, and it was a um, it was a partnership between us brands and an organization called Beacon Pathway, who've done a lot of research and work into um, healthy and energy efficient homes. And when it was first conceived, it was uh, a scheme uh, on a star, star scale from one star to 10 star. Um, and, and the idea originally was that uh, one star would be, um, you know, a really poorly performing, very badly insulated, very old home, leaky, moldy, you know, right through to 10 star being um, international best practice, um, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, so fully passive house, uh, fully self-sufficient in energy, uh, that kind of idea. Um, over time, um, it became very apparent that Homestar was really only being used for new homes or, or homes being very, very substantially refurbished. Um, I, I think it probably doesn't come as a surprise that not, not many people wanted to go through the whole kind of exercise of getting a home rated only, be, only to be told to get a, it's got a one star or a two star. Um, so we, we really found that not many people were willing to do that, unsurprisingly. Uh, and as a consequence of that, in um, in 2017, when we released the current version, which is version four, we got rid of the one star to five stars, um, and really started concentrating and and honing in on um, and getting a minimum standard of six star for uh, for new homes. Um, so that's really what we've been working on from from now on. So what's in the tool? Um, about half of Homestar, half of the points available uh, for the home are in the category that we call EHC. Uh, and that's energy, health and comfort. Uh, and um, a bit later on in this presentation, I'll break down um, really all the different aspects of what we think makes an energy efficient, healthy and comfortable home. Uh, so I'll talk about that a bit later, but just to briefly touch on some of those other things. So we have 12% of the tool available for water efficiency. Um, and that's kind of an interesting one because you know, a lot of people will say, well, New Zealand is a very damp country. We get a lot of rainfall. So why is it important for, for homes to be water efficient? Well, um, you only have to look at Auckland at the moment with the drought that we're experiencing uh, to see that actually it's not just a question of, of having high rainfall, but it's also all the infrastructure, the dams, the pumps, the, the pipes that you need in order to, to get uh, water to home. So, so we very strongly advocate that there's a very cost uh, efficient reason to, to make homes as water efficient as they can. 
Um, we then look at waste in the tool. So waste would be dealing with um, construction waste uh, um, mainly. Uh, and again, around 50% of the, around half of the waste sent to landfill every year comes from the construction industry. Uh, that's a real problem. Um, and, and so um, we have some points in the tool for reducing construction waste and, and I'll probably touch on that a little bit later on. Um, we've then got a category around management uh, and that's uh, dealing with things like um, uh, the environmentally friendly management of your building site. Um, and again, I'll, I'll mention that a bit later, but you know, having environmental management plans in place for, um, for, the, for the construction site. Um, then the final couple of categories, materials deals with sustainable sourcing of the materials that you use for your, for your build. Uh, so that would be things like um, using FSC or PEFC timber, so um, forestry, you know, and making sure that you, you're, you're sourcing your timber from uh, merchants that are, you know, making sure that we're not um, uh, dealing with deforest deforestation, things like that. Uh, then finally, that site credit uh, site category is looking at things like um, uh, whether you're building on greenfield or brownfield, uh, or, or things like um, whether your um, uh, whether your site is next to some amenities, so um, things like that. All right, um, and fundamentally, HomeStart is a points-based uh, system, uh, as I mentioned earlier on. So um, there's 120 points available um, in the whole of the technical manual, uh, and you need to get half of them, so 60 points in order to get a six-star rating. Uh, then it's easy to remember 70 points for a seven star, eight, 80 points for eight star and so on. And then, um, you know, for the highest rating, um, you need 100 points. Um, so we've, we've registered, I think, around 10,000 homes uh, under the scheme uh, to date. Uh, and we've had, I think, it's either 35 or 38. I can never remember the exact number, but I think it's around 35 homes have achieved 10 star uh, to get, sort of give an example of... Um, of, of what the scheme, uh, you know, how tough the 10 star scheme uh, is. So um, this is now a sort of segue to that question around uh, uh, take up. So um, uh, as I said, we've registered about 10,000 homes in total, but last year we registered 3,000. So it, we've been running it for 10 years. Uh, and the last couple of years is really when things have started to accelerate. So um, we registered 3,000 homes in the last financial year. Um, I think it's fair to say that most of those um, registrations, I haven't got the exact figures, but probably about two thirds of those regist registrations would be as a result of the fact that uh, Kiwi Build, um, Kianga Aura, so Housing New Zealand, and Panuku in Auckland um, have been mandating uh, Homestar as, at a government level uh, within, within what they're doing. Uh, in particular, Kianga Aura with their, with their social housing, so the, um, the sort of ex-Housing New Zealand houses are now require, all required to be uh, at least a six star rating. So, you know, if you're bu building with any of the sort of major house builders that are building uh, housing New Zealand homes, then you will be required to deal with, um, uh, with Homestar. Um, and then HLC, the homes, homes lands and communities that's now been folded into Kianga Aura, you know, they're doing a lot of the sort of government's major um, land development uh, and selling off parcels of land to private developers for, for, for building. Again, again, they are pushing Homestar in a lot of the developments that they, they work on. And then finally, uh, they're with the um, aged care retirement village type uh, providers, so MetLife Care, Oceania, and Booper. You know, they've all been requiring uh, Homestar and pretty much everything they do. Um, so I suppose that's a, that's a bit of a <laughs> roundabout way of saying uh, we haven't um, uh, fully got on board uh, private house builders building kind of those one, you know, the, the typical house builder in New Zealand, which is, you know, the GJ Gardens building a house for a single house, um, householder. Um, uh, we're, we're not seeing a huge amount of that market. But, but having said that, 
um, because a lot of those house builders, major house builders are building for Housing New Zealand, they're now getting more and more experience of building to home star. Um, and, I, and I think the result of that is going to be them say, well, actually, do you know what? How, uh, uh, Homestar really is not as difficult as people thought it was. Um, and so uh, we're going to start um, making that as an offering um, in terms of you know, our, our, our private builds. Some, some of the builders in the audience, I'm sure, will know that, that is, I think a lot of that is being driven by the fact that I've got a slide on this later on, but I'll, I'll mention it now, which is that um, ANZ um, have been for, for a while now been running their Healthy Homes program. And some of that's around um, sustainable lending uh, for uh, retrofitting insulation and things like that. But the, but the big one for new homes is that they're offering a, quite a, he a, he a hefty uh, reduction in mortgage rates if you build to Homestar. Um, so and so not just building to Homestar, but also buying buying homes. So if you buy an existing Homestar home, then you can get a, a major reduction in your in your um, mortgage rate. So um, uh, this is uh, so uh, there, there definitely is some private building uh, with Homestar, and this is an example in Hobsonville Point. Uh, and here you're starting to see some of the um, kind of, you, you know, um, uh, some of the advertising around around Homestar. You know, here they're saying guarantee your warmer, drier, healthier home. So Sam, let me uh, throw a, another question at you, which um, might be a little more challenging. And it's it's off the back of a question from, from Jared, who has uh, mentioned, of course, we already face very high building costs in, in New Zealand compared to other yep. other countries globally. Yep. Um, so if we're uh, meeting with a client and we're going, hey, we'd really suggest you do a Homestar rated house, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten 10 rated, that is yep. going to cost you more to build up front, sure. design sure. and build up front um there's uh green building council do you have any uh data that would say um notwithstanding uh occupant uh behavior totally yeah, understand yeah. that but yeah, yeah but is there anything that says hey look for the extra you know x thousand dollars you spend now the lifetime cost of your house is likely to be this much less because you will be spending less on um yeah. art, you know, call artificial hanging etc do you have any any info around that, that yeah, that's, people that's, could potentially that's, share we do, yeah. And uh, but before I mean, before I drill into the numbers, one one thing I will say is that um, uh, what we very strongly argue is that the minimum building code is inadequate. So um, you know, um, we just we should we shouldn't be building um, damp, mouldy homes. Uh, and, and so um, spending some extra on making your house not unhealthy is is just a good thing to do. Um, but um, in, in, um, but in terms, of, um, people want to talk about the costs, uh, and tip, typically the cost of a six home star might be around two percent extra in terms of the uh, construction costs. So it's quite minor. Um, I mean the two. So the, but when I say two percent, um, two percent would be really when people have got good experience of doing home star. You know, so they've got yes. the supply chains going. You know, you know, I think it's fair to say it can be a little bit more expensive if you're building a one-off home and you're getting to grips with the scheme. Um, and then I guess the other one would be, um, look, Six Home Star is right at the bottom of the scale. You know, it's, the, it's yes. the entry point and we'd really encourage people to be building at seven star or even eight star. And, and, and what we're really finding is the house builders that have started building with us uh, are now typically building at seven or, eight or even eight. Um, mm. and, and there certainly the cost would be a bit more, um, you know, maybe five, six percent for seven and, and, and a bit more for, for eight. Um, I think the other thing that I would... Um, argue as well is that we're building very large homes in New Zealand so um, you know we build the third largest homes in the OECD um, it's sorry in the world so after, after America and, wow. and Australia you know and and those 200 square meter homes you know maybe may you, you know you could reduce the home by 10 square meters 15 square meters and and build a home that's much much more energy efficient and warmer and drier and healthier mm -hmm. I, I think per personally um, I, I would rather do that
Yeah. yeah. And Sam, I think again, with my kind of commercial hat on, I think it's also important where uh, construction companies decide to compete in the market. If you're really trying to compete on price alone and yep. you're you're going for you know cheapest, quickest, then um, this this kind of is probably not where you're going to be you, talking. Yeah. Yep. If yep. you're trying to differentiate yourself in the market and find a way to stand out from the crowd and potentially attract that buyer who's maybe yep. a little bit more premium, you know, that yep. is, is actually going, I value the additional cost and uh, I'm going to choose you as my construction company because I get exactly. that you, you, you get how Greenstar works and you get the value and I can talk about lifetime costs, et cetera, then yep, it can right. be a, a differentiator. I totally agree with that, Ryan. And, and I suppose another way of looking at that is why not offer it as an option? You know, so you offer it yes. as an option and it comes with a little bit of a cost premium, but, uh, you know, it, it gives you an extra, um, you know, strength to your bow. Mm-hmm. Right. And further on that, Sam, then uh, what's your sense of uh, architect's understanding of uh, Homestar? So if, uh, you know, a client or us as, us as a kind of construction company goes back and says to, you know, generally architects going, hey, look, we'd, um, we'd like to see some options around doing an eight-star home versus a six-star. What's your sense of kind of how capable the architectural industry is at the moment to do that? It, it, it's definitely increasing. So um, we're seeing more and more um, architectural practices get some of their uh, architects trained um, in, as Homestar assessors or Homestar practitioners. Um, mm-hmm. So we had we had two types of uh, Homestar, um, I guess, professional Homestar practitioner, which is uh, a one day course that you can do online um, and allows you to say that you kind of you know about the scheme, you know how it works and you, and you can design to it. Uh, and then if you do then a second day, which is in, in-house training with us, then you can call yourself a Homestar assessor. And that's somebody who can go in uh, and assess the plans and, 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 and getting it, get it across. Uh, and, you know, lo- lo- lots of uh, lots of architects out there have that qualification uh, and are able to give that advice. Yep. Okay, great. I'll just move on to another sort of emerging thing which is happening, which is that, that councils have now started to talk about putting um, these uh, Homestar, HomeFit and other kind of sustainability tool passive house uh, ratings on there on the limb. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got knocked back a bit, unfortunately, which we're a bit annoyed about, which is that the, the big council, Auckland Council, had, had been talking about it for two years. Um, and we would we we got them signed across the line, and then and then suddenly a few councillors um, uh, came in, and, and I think because of COVID, um, they they wanted to sort of cancel a lot of projects, and they they're not doing it in Auckland, but um, but Wellington are, mm-hmm. um, and we're in talks with quite a number of councils around um, uh, around putting a home, a home start on the limb, uh, which is really good to see. All right, so um, I promised I would delve a little bit into the sort of technical ins and outs, and, and I'm not going to do that for all of the categories, but I thought I'd just talk a little bit about the, the big category, which is energy, health, and comfort. Um, so the first one, the EHC1, is worth 20 points out of the 120, so it's our biggest category, and that's really looking at the thermal performance of the envelope of the home, so levels of insulation uh, primarily, uh, uh, that one. Uh, we've then got some stuff around efficient space heating. So um, uh, the, 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 I guess the cheaper to run the sister heating system that you put in the home, the more points you get under that one. Uh, we've then got a cat- whole category around ventilation systems, uh, and that's really dealing with some of the stuff I was mentioning earlier, which is um, uh, the, the, the more you um, mechanically ventilate the whole house, so the more you move towards whole house uh, mechanical ventilation with heat recovery type systems, the more points you get. Um, uh, yep, so that's how that one works. Uh, then the HC4, surface and interstitial moisture, uh, that one is really dealing with uh, thermal bridging, so making sure that we've got insulation um, uh, around the complete um, perimeter of the home. 
uh, and then also dealing with interstitial moisture. So that's around the design of um, um, uh, air and vapor barriers within the within the construction itself. Uh, hot water heating, that's a little bit of it, uh, like those uh, that efficient space heating uh, credits. So that gives you the, the more efficient, the more um, energy and, and cost effective your heating system is, the more points you get for that one. Uh, lighting as well is pretty um, self-explanatory. That's around the um, energy efficiency of the lighting system that you put in. Um, that one's kind of interesting one actually, because uh, in V5 we're kind of mo kind of moving away from um, having a lighting credit, just because um, I'm sure the builders and the audience will know this that it's pretty much standard practice now for LED lighting to be put in um, in new homes, just because LED lighting is is the is the standard. Um, so there we go. Uh, EHC seven natural lighting is dealing with. Uh, daylight, so um, we've got some minimum standards around daylight in living rooms, kitchens, and bedrooms. Uh, pretty obvious. Uh, renewable energy EHC eight would be around um, the uh, energy systems that you might put on the on the house, and you know, 99% of the time that'll be PV systems on the roof. Uh, although we do sometimes also get uh, people putting in um, uh, domestic hot water uh, solar systems as well. Um, and then the last two there, inclusive design. So inclusive design is all around um, well, universal design. So designing the house to make sure that um, uh, it's accessible for the elderly or for uh, people, you know, kind of in wheelchairs or that kind of thing. Last one there, energy efficient dry drying. Um, so that's around um, making sure that uh, any um, drying that you have in the home is, uh, is is unlikely to be throwing lots of moisture into the home. So making sure you've got uh, yeah energy efficient dries. All right, so those are the main categories in EHC uh, in energy, health, and comfort. So I mentioned the R values earlier on, so and, and, and as I was saying, EHC one, that first credit is 20 points. Um, and uh, so really just to, to put some firmer numbers around R values that we asked for and, and what the UK is currently asking for. Um, so the UK in 2002 um, had uh, these kind of R values, so wall around R3, roofs, uh, roofs around R4, and same with floors. So even in 2002, actually, the floors at R4 uh, were still requiring sort of fully insulated floors. Uh, windows at 0 0.5, again, uh, that would be a pretty high-performing um, double glazing unit, uh, even in 2002. Uh, but over, over time, the UK has really toughened the R values, and they're, they're, they're really, really pretty high now. And, and as you see with air tightness now, uh, it's a requirement of the of the New Zealand, uh, sorry, the UK building code that you pressure test a home and find out how airtight it is. Um, and the minute the minimum is 10, but actually typically houses achieving five uh, air changes in their pressure testing. Um, so we just compare that with the New Zealand building code in Christchurch. So um, that's requiring R2 and R3.3 in um, in the walls and roofs. Floor at R1.3, so you know that's deemed, and that, and that means that there's no requirement at all, even in even the colder climates, to uh, insulate slab. Uh, the window is 0.26, so that would be a, a, a completely standard, un, un, un thermally broken um, aluminium frame window. Uh, so for six home star, which as I say is the very um, uh, sort of bottom rung of the home star ladder, these are the kind of R values that, that we require. So as you can see, for walls and roofs. Uh, that's a sort of incremental improvement, a little bit better. For floors, uh, R1.8, that would be um, requiring um, at least slab insulation, um, um, edge insulation or under slab insulation. Uh, and then windows, that would be requiring things like um, coatings on windows and um, typically thermally broken frames as well. Um, for air tightness, there's no requirement at six star for pressure testing. <clears throat> and um, mainly that's because you know, we'd, lo we'd love to see more pressure testing of homes in New Zealand, but, um, you know, it's still early days with that, and there still aren't masses of rigs uh, available for uh, for doing that here. 
Uh, and then at the end there, you can see a 10 home star home or, or um, a, a passive house home uh, where you know, you're getting much, much higher R values, uh, really, really tough R, R values there. Win windows that are 1.8, you know, that would be um, extremely high performance, double glazing or even triple glazing. Uh, and then typically uh, pressure testing and, and achieving very high levels of, of air tightness. So lots of tapes and seals and, and that kind of thing. But interesting, Sam, on, on that one, uh, still even with a 10 Homestar rating, it's obviously very hard to achieve. It's still for roof and floor insulation below the R values for what UK now have as their standards. That's right. That, am I reading that correctly? Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think um, yeah, there's possibly a good reason for that, which is that Christchurch and London, they have similar temperatures. Uh, but Christchurch gets a huge amount more um, uh, solar gain. So even in winter, you know, you get a lot more yes. sunshine coming into the home. Um, yeah. And I suppose uh, it's probably also around, um, uh, you know, pa pa Passive House in particular concentrates very much on air tightness. So uh, that's going to be saving you a lot of energy compared with the UK building code that doesn't have quite as tough standards in terms of air tightness. Okay, so um, just going to uh, finish off really by giving a bit of a summary of um, the sort of things that you might see in a typical uh, six-home style home. So I mentioned thermal bridging earlier on, so you see a, a few, few controls around that. Um, maybe at seven-star, you'd start to see thermally broken slabs. At six, you'd definitely see that in the colder climate, so Christchurch, uh, Central Otago. Um, and Sam, excuse my um, building construction ignorance here, when you no, talk about okay. a thermally broken slab, is that where you'd be starting to see like polystyrene put into the concrete slab? Is that, is that what exactly about right. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, uh, so that's two things that would be uh, uh, polystyrene put under the slab. Um, and there's a bit of an interesting one there because um, uh, we quite often see in Christchurch um, a waffle pod type slab, slabs, which is where you've got these squares of polystyrene but they don't actually improve the r value very much because most of the heat losses are at the perimeter and that's really what this slide is trying to indicate that actually right. we need to be putting the polystyrene up against the edge of the slab as well as under the slab right. uh, to be really getting the full full benefit okay um this slide is a, a really interesting one actually so new zealand has quite an unusual detail that i think emerged from the whole leaky homes um uh, crisis which is uh, that windows are typically installed here in line with the uh, with the cladding, um, and and that's probably not a bad detail when it comes to um, rain ingress, which obviously was a major part of the whole leaky homes um, problem. Uh, but it's a really poor detail thermally because um, if you start moving towards thermally broken frames, the back of the thermal break is still in the cold part of the window. Um, so a, mu a much better, um, uh, from a thermal point of view, a much better detail is to move that window um, in line with the wall insulation. Um, and so quite a lot of the organizations like brands, like the Window and Glass Association of New Zealand, us and others are trying to um, get more standard details um, uh, out in the market around uh, pushing the window uh, uh, inside the wall. Um, I, I think it's fair to say we haven't got there yet in terms of getting a standard detail that all the um, building authorities will accept, but I, th I think we will get there over the next um, year or two, so that'd be good to see. Um, so I'll move on from there. Okay, so um, again, moving on with the kind of not rocket science around six home stars. So um, wash efficiency, uh, we require a minimum um, for, for all levels, we require at least a nine liter per minute shower. Uh, it's really easy to get uh, low flow rate showers in New Zealand because we have the Australasian Wells rating scheme. So if you buy a shower, it has the Wells rating on it. So um, we require at least a three star Wells rated shower. Um, and actually, you can use any shower um, uh, you like. You just need to make sure that you put the um, uh, that you screw in the um, uh, flow rate restrictor, uh, which you can which you can use as well as buying a shower that has the, the Wells rating. 
So, Sam, does that mean the uh, water dribbles out and I have to kind of run around in circles <laughs> to wet in the shower? Well, um, uh, nine litres per minute still gives you a pretty good shower, to be honest. Uh, and, and actually, some of the real greenies out there might go to a six-litre shower. To, to, to be honest, I, um, we rent our house, and, and I've measured our shower, shower flow rate, and it's six litres per minute. And, and uh, I, to be honest, it's not, it's not quite as powerful as I would like. Uh, but but, but nine, nine is absolutely fine. And, and actually, um, if you've got a good, um, a, a properly well-designed shower, um, shower head that aerates properly, then, then nine, nine litres is absolutely no problem at all. Um, uh, then moving on to lighting, so typically we'd see LED lighting and then and some real thought from the architects in terms of good, uh, good day lighting. Um, and then some of the material selections, so we'd be um, looking at, um, uh, this is a bit complicated, so sorry, I'm going to delve into the detail here, which is that uh, we, we, uh, you get more points for the more materials in the house that have eco labels and, and an eco label is where a third party organization has gone into the factory for that product supplier and given that factory a stamp of um, uh, an environmental stamp uh, saying that it meets minimum environmental standards. Um, so the organization that's most commonly used here is an organization called Environmental Choice New Zealand, ECNZ. Uh, and to be fair, they have given their stamp of approval to most of the major products and materials that we use in New Zealand. So as an example, jib uh, would, would meet their minimum standards. Um, and you kind of go, well, if every, if, if every major product, product in New Zealand already meets their environmental standards, then why have we got in Homestar? And, and really, it's, it's looking at the wrong way. The reason that those product materials, uh, um, products and material suppliers uh, have got themselves to the ECNZ standard is because of the Green Star and Homestar schemes that we run. Um, um, so it's a kind of chicken and egg thing. Um, so waste minimization, as I was saying at the beginning of this talk, uh, we would, um, you'd be picking up points for minimizing the uh, waste to landfill from your site. Um, if you're in Auckland, that's really easy. There are a number of suppliers, uh, Green Gorilla uh, being the, probably the leading one, that will just take your mixed skip uh, and then take it to their, um, their site uh, in Onihanga and um, sort the waste there and sort of guarantee that they'll uh, meet our um, minimum threshold, which is diverting 70% of the waste from that site uh, from landfill. Um, but the, the, of course, the other way you can do it, and, and a number of the builders working for Kyang Aura are doing this, and Kyang Aura actually really doing a lot of really great work around minimizing construction waste. Um, you know, the other way of doing it, of course, is to then have um, a segregated skip, so a skip for, for jib, a skip for wood, and a skip for, you know, and actually um, mm -hmm. finding alternative. Uh, waste streams for those, um, you know, uh, and we'd love to see more builders kind of dealing with that whole uh, waste issue. Okay, and then and then uh, sort of the final thing. This is really the icing on the cake. So I, I just really want to emphasise that we want to see six home star homes achieved with really good uh, design of the home, but we do have some additional points for then some of those external things, things like whether the house has um, got good proximity to um, shops to, um, uh, you know, good transport, that kind of thing. Rainwater harvesting as well gets points um, and as does um, having good on-site stormwater management. Uh, so that would be, um, you know, things like um, uh, stormwater de um, detention, detention tanks, tanks. rain yep. gardens, swales, all of those mm -hmm. kind of things. Yep. All right, um, so final few slides here. So top tips for builders, um, really good uh, tips for you here. Um, if you're working on a project that's a home start, then um, you, get, you pick up points for a site waste management plan. 
on our, on our website, it's quite easy to find a template site waste management uh, plan. So um, uh, please do go hook that up. Please make sure you get that site waste management plan in place before you start building. Um, sometimes builders come and you know fill it in when they're already two thirds of the way through the build. Uh, we tend to um, throw that out and not give you points for that. Um, implement an environmental management plan for the site. Again, we have a template uh, EMP uh, on our website, so uh, make sure you get that uh, implemented before you start. Keep receipts. So um, we require um, uh, we require um, evidence that the the, uh, the house is built to the to, to the right standard, that you've used the right um, uh, products, materials, and so on. And typically, the way that you evidence that that is through um, is through receipts. Uh, look, if you haven't kept the receipts, then uh, then don't worry about it. Um, what we can also accept is photographs, but um, you know I, th I think it's much easier if you just keep receipts. Um, ensure the quality of the insulation install. Um, actually, I put that in there um, not because we necessarily require lots and lots of photographs of the pre-line um, insulation, uh, but just because look, it's just bloody good practice to make sure that the insulation has been installed um, in all the right places, particularly at corners. So um, uh, you know, double studs around corners is something that um, we're starting to have a bit of a project around. Um, you know, we often see the corners of walls uh, with insulation absolutely packed with tim timber and, and not insulated properly. Uh, and in fact, Brands is about to release a, release a really interesting report on this showing that um, it, it was thought that the average amount of timber in New Zealand walls was around 20%. Uh, that was the assumption in a lot of the Brands calculations. Uh, but their latest studies are showing, um, uh, I, I just can't believe this, but I can believe it actually. Um, they, they've been measuring timber um, percentages as high as 40%. So 40% of the whole wall was timber, not insulation. Um, you know, so you're not you're not getting good um, insulation outcomes with that level of timber. Um, so beware substitutions. So um, the Homestar assessor will have picked up a lot of points, probably in most of the builds, through uh, things like uh, FSC timber, through the tapware, you know, the Wells ratings, through eco, eco labeled products like jib, like um, um, uh, things like NZ steel, you know, color steel roofs, that kind of thing. Um, so you might think, oh, well, we'll save some money and, and we'll substitute, uh, and then you substitute for some project pro products that don't have those eco labels. So, you know, really beware of that. Um, and then a final little one, which is that the Homestar assessor will come on site typically and check the shower flow rate. Uh, and quite often, um, even Wells rated showers, they only meet that flow rate if they've got the flow restrictor actually installed. And quite often the plumber uh, forgets to install it. So um, just watch out for that one. Um, Final one here around simplifying Homestar. So uh, with the version uh, version four launch that we did in 2017, we wanted to really do a lot to demystify Homestar. Uh, and so we've got some checklists up on our website, which um, hopefully um, allow you just to, just to see for a typical six star, this is what uh, people do. You know, it just gives a kind of nuts and bolts version of, a, of the Homestar manual. Um, and uh, please do go and have a look at the transforming operational efficiency. Um, you know, if, if you've got a bit of a policy um, uh, head on you, then um, you know, start to get to grips with where government is moving in terms of the building code. Uh, you know, it's going to take them two or three years, I think, to to start really shifting on this. But um, you know, um, start to understand that. Um, you know, and, and really, what they're proposing is a number of steps on the way towards in 2035 an effectively zero carbon. Uh, building code, um, so you know, uh, watch that space. 
And um, we are um, just working on version five of Homestar. So if anyone's got, got some good experience of Homestar and has some helpful suggestions as to how we can improve the scheme, then um, please do get in, in touch with me. Uh, and then finally, some, some bullet points around take, you know, take action. These are things that we think you should do. So train up with us. We typically run four or five um, Homestar courses every year, and we're also able to offer uh, bespoke courses in-house you know, if you've got enough of you that want to get trained. Uh, check out that checklist that I mentioned. Uh, hopefully, it'll really uh, show you that a six Homestar in particular is really not that hard to, to achieve. Uh, and we've got a number of case studies on our, on our website, uh, which, which hopefully, again, will show you that lots and lots of people are now starting to uh, move with, uh, with the times. Thank you very much. Okay. Hey, Sam, let's um, fire some questions at you. Thank you for that, that press. So just help me get my head around if I, as a construction company, want to build um, Homestar certified uh, buildings, yep. do I need to come and do some kind of accreditation to be able to do that? Uh, or no, do I uh, just apply no, no. and get a... No, no. So, so, so the builder does not need to be Homestar certified at all. Uh, so, so typically, um, on all projects, you need a Homestar Assessor, and that Homestar Assessor does need to be a Homestar qualified person, so a, a Homestar Assessor qualified person, and we've got all of these uh, Homestar Assessors on our website. Um, if, you've got a, if you've got a Homestar qualified person on the build team, you get an extra point, um, because we find that if builders are trained in Homestar, they tend to build, um, it tends to make the, the project smoother, uh, so we'd, we'd definitely recommend that. Okay, and so to, to become, sorry, what was the term you used and use accredited? What was the oh, term you used um, for someone so, certified? So a, a, homestar, a homestar practitioner. So that's, that's, homestar the, practitioner? That, that's the, so you can do that online. Um, you have to pay, I think it's $500 um, to do a, effectively. It's a one day um, self-guided online course with, uh, with, a, right. with an exam at the end. Yep. Okay, great. And uh, are you able to self-certify a building if you have completed certain amount of training? Um, so I, I, I haven't talked at all about the process for getting our home staff certified, but I think um, okay. so just, just a little potted um, kind of uh, idea of how that works. So a home star assessor, uh, so that would typically be somebody who's on the design team, um, often the architect, uh, would collate all of the information um, from the build. So that would be plans, that would be photographs, that would be receipts. They submit those to us. Um, and then we get that third party audited. So another Homestar assessor would then right. anonymously assess that information. So no, you can't self-certify, you need to certify through us um, and you need to register the scheme uh, through us. Uh, again, um, we, like to, we, we like people to register early, so register during the early stages of design. Okay, uh, great, good question in from Craig, thank you, which was, um, is there somewhere we can access a list of products that are already like pre-certified pre to be qualified under the scheme? Ah, great question. Um, uh, yes, so um, there's an organisation called, uh, in, uh, now I'm, I'm going to completely forget the name, um, I might have to email it out to you, but there's, there's an organization in New Zealand that collate, collates all of the um, eco labels and uh, labels that you need uh, in order to get a Homestar rating. So it's a really great website where you can go on and say, I'm building a Homestar home. Tell me about all the carpets that meet the minimum uh, standards. Um, and I'm going to completely forgot, forget, but maybe it'll come to me before. That's right, Sam. What we'll we'll get a um, email out to everyone that's uh, registered and yep. attended the webinar. So maybe yep. if you could find that info, and then we'll yep. send it out uh, send it out um, afterwards. Sure, that would be yep. that would be good. 
Christine had a question and it was, it was back when we were kind of talking about uh, how you look at the energy use in a, in a house. Yep. And Christine's question was, um, aside from looking at the uh, running energy of the house, so I guess, you know, things like uh, gas and power, et cetera, yep. does the embodied energy, and I think that's a, a fantastic word, it's a bit flash for me, but um, embodied energy, <laughs> so I guess that's things like, is the design actually that allows to uh, capture energy in the house, is that also accounted for in the scheme? Yeah, yeah. So, so embodied energy, it is a bit of a techie term. So embodied energy means the, um, or embodied carbon uh, is the carbon emissions and energy used in actually making the materials in the first place. Um, so that's, that's, that's not something that's currently in version four of Homestar, um, but the consultation that we did on version five of Homestar has proposed that we will introduce it for the next version. Okay. Um, and um, uh, it is a, tr a tricky one to calculate, but fortunately brands have been working on a quite a simple calculator for homes, which would allow you to put in the various square meter rates of, you know, timber and concrete and so on and come out, come up with a figure for how much carbon, um, you know, the quantity of carbon that was associated with the construction stage. Uh, that's pretty important for New Zealand, actually, because around half of the emissions from the construction sector come from that um, upfront embodied stage. So uh, it's a great question and, and something that we are uh, starting to look at. Great. Um, couple of questions around um, just the what's the cost for getting the uh, one once you submit all the uh, required elements and have your assessor review and a, that independent sign off. What what's actually the cost involved in getting yep. a house certified? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give a sort of roundabout answer first, which is that our, <laughs> our average certification cost, so certification fee per house last year was about $250. So each house getting certified would, would, would be a submission fee of about $250. Okay. Um, but but um, the, the reason I, I sort of <laughs> started off with that is because that, that assumes that you're, you're um, certifying a number of homes um, und, under a single typology, if that makes sense. If you're doing a, if you're doing a standalone home um, uh, with its own design, so just a one-off home, then the certification cost is, I think, well, I know it's $695. Okay. So the cost Excellent. comes down. The cost comes down the more homes you 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 rate um, uh, under the same design. And I'm sure all our uh, attendees are keen to build a lot of houses and get them all certified, so they'll Definitely. be achieving uh, oh, so. it. Be be too too easy. Um, that's good. And what's your view, Sam, on the kind of magnitude of the changes between version four and version five? Do you feel like it's going to be a ginormous change, or is it is it more of a tweak? What's, what's your thoughts? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we ha we haven't completely finalised the proposals yet, but I, th I think I think the what will probably happen is six star will be toughened up a little bit. Um, you know, now that we've got more and more builders used to things like slab edge insulation and thermally broken windows and all those kind of things, I will start to require those those kind of elements at uh, six star, particularly in Auckland. So all, all the, the Auckland requirements are not that much higher than building code if we're if we're honest in terms of thermal insulation. Um, whereas in Christchurch, they would be quite a bit higher. Uh, I, I think we'll probably toughen up the Auckland requirements a little bit, um, just so that we put some clear water between us and really clear, clear water between us and building code. Uh, and then I think um, what we're going to be doing is uh, having some very clear standards at each of the rating levels for six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Some very, very clear standards around the thermal ventilation, um, thermal bridging, all the, all the kind of um, performance elements of the, of the home, um, which we don't currently have. Um, so uh, hopefully uh, what that, that will do is allow people to, uh, to really clearly understand what they need to do for each of the different star levels. Okay, so in terms of resources that people can access, Sam, where's the best place for them to, to go? 
Great. So yeah, go, go to our website. Um, if you go, if you go to nzgbc.org.nz um, and then click on Homestar, uh, there's all of all, all of the resources are freely freely available for Homestar. Um, and um, you know, go and have a look at the submission manual, uh, submission guidelines, technical manual, um, and start. You know, if, you, if you're having trouble sleeping at night, that's a 200 page manual. Uh, you know, start to get get to grips with that. Uh, and then I, I would uh, very much uh, say uh, do the practitioner course because. You can do it in your own time. Um, you can do it online, um, and um, that really gets you a, a really good overview of, of what's required. Yeah, and and again, and um, obviously, Sam, I haven't done the course myself, but I think again, when we are trying to differentiate ourselves in market, being able to bring that additional knowledge and have uh, really well educated conversations with our potential clients around around that, I'm sure that would be a good investment to complete that course and be able to totally um, say say that. And that's great. Uh, I'm just reading Mark's question. Is the home certification, is this accessed throughout the build or at the end? Um, so I'm not quite oh, is it assessed, probably. Is it assessed? Um, assessed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, probably, I think it probably does mean it. Assessed. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's yes. all, again, oh, again a, really great, a really great question. So the certification fee allows you two levels of assessment. So you can get a design assessment. So you can submit at, at the sort of building consent stage when you've got your drawings, you can submit to us and we'll review those drawings at a, as a design certification. Um, and then, but then if you want to keep your certification and actually get the stamp for the house uh, forever, then um, you need to do it at the, what we call the built stage, which is done at the, uh, as the name suggests, um, once you've um, got the code of compliance. Okay, awesome. So I hope that's uh, answered your question, Mark. Um, I think we've uh, done with the questions. Uh, thanks so much for everyone that's attended. And Sam, thanks for sharing your knowledge and insights. We really appreciate it. Um, I just have one final poll. Um, we just would uh, like a bit of insight from you. How have you found the webinar? Has it been helpful to you? Um, if you could share your insights with us, that is great and helps us uh, prepare future, future webinars. Um, so to recap, if you are looking for uh, additional info, go to nzgbc.org.nz and uh, lots of resources to access there. And um, I guess Sam didn't put up his email address um, because he didn't want any questions. So if you've got any <laughs> questions, uh, hit him up and uh, he'll see how he can help. Delighted to. Absolutely delighted to. Nice one. Hey, thanks, team. Really appreciate your uh, involvement. Thanks again to you, Sam, for preparing, and hope that's been helpful, guys. And we will see you on the next webinar. Have a pleasant evening. Thank you. Bye, all.